Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. All right, let's shoot this fucker. <laughs> okay, I don't get it. What are you guys laughing at? <laughs> that's from that's from Ed Wood. That Martin Landau playing Bella Lugosi said that at, uh, in Ed Wood. Okay, all right. Yeah. You guys like making quotes from movies. We're guys. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Continue. Okay, thank you. And he did it with a lot of gusto, also being a morphine addict. So, you know, he overcame some shit. We won't go into that. With, with a Demodol chaser. Yeah. <laughs> Hold the string! <laughs> Eddie! Eddie! Oh. <laughs> I love that movie. Yes, and my guest has a movie coming out next month on Netflix called A Castle for Christmas. She's an actor, author, model, beauty icon. It's Brooke Shields. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Sherry. Say hi to Sherry, everybody. Hello, Sherry. Hey, Sherry. What's happening, Sherry? Look at that. It's Phil. <laughs> hey, everybody. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Yeah, look at that. Phil, Phil is actually, uh, he, he's in a port right now. Yo, yes. ho, yo, ho, a sailor's life for me. <laughs> I even have a patch on my eye. Yeah. Uh, Sherry keeps asking me about a Pittsburgh date, and I will be back in Pittsburgh hopefully soon. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And you can ask me questions I don't have the answer to as well. <laughs> And I would like to begin today's proceedings uh, by echoing something that that Brooke Shields said in her interview that she does not want to be a victim and neither do I. Now, I'm going to tell you this story, how someone tried to make me a victim in my travels right now. Uh, I am uh, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio right now, um, and I'm coming home from this three week tour I did. And I was in Michigan. 
Uh, now, Michigan's very exclusive. You can't fly directly in. <laughs> right. No, yeah. you can't. You got to fly to Chicago first and state your business and be vetted. Is <laughs> <laughs> it a holdover from Al Capone? Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Where, where do you think you're going and what do you think you're doing? <laughs> So you got to transfer your bags and you're usually on one of those little buddy Holly killing planes. So there's no room for your for your, for your, for your carry on bags. You got to gate check them. So I'm sitting in the Chicago airport. Right. And the lady comes by that works there and gave me a tag for my bag. So I was on the phone with you, honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, she handed she handed me the tag. I put it on the bag and I walked down the jetway and I left it there uh, for them to gate check it. So I would pick it up uh, to make my connecting flight to Michigan. Uh, I didn't know the lady gave me a green tag, which is United. Didn't know that I was on American Airlines and their tags are either red or yellow. So I don't know this. I get on the plane. I get off the plane. And it's one of those little planes where you you don't get off on a jet where you get off on the tarmac. Right. So I'm walking down the stairs. I'm on the runway and you got they put your bags right there on the runway. I don't see my bag now. I got maybe 20 minutes to get to my next flight. And if you've been to O'Hare, Adam's next flight is always at another terminal. Thank you. <laughs> that's just the universal <laughs> yeah. rule. The that's last just, gate. Yeah, it's just the way they do it. Just keep walking. <laughs> I, I, I should have just walked to Michigan. It would have been quicker. <laughs> would have had your bag. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, because here's what happened. I'm standing on the tarmac and I'm not seeing my bag. And there's the lady, the baggage lady is right there. I said, excuse me, um, I got to make a connecting flight and I'm, I, I don't see my bag. Here's my ticket. She went, oh, it's green. And I went, of course, of course, there's going to be a problem. I go, yeah, it's green. She goes, oh, that's not an American airline uh, baggage ticket. And I said, well, I'm an American airline passenger. I just got off the plane and I put my bag uh, on the on the jetway. So where would the bag be? She goes, it's on to your next destination. I go, I, I really don't think it is because <laughs> the, nobody knows who my next destination is. He said, well, you see that number on the bag that that'll be your next destination. I go, what's my next destination? She goes, I don't know. I go, yeah, neither does the bag. The bag ain't going to be there. <laughs> I said, some lady just handed this to me in the terminal. I'm like, where would the bag go if I put it on the end of the of the jetway? She goes, oh, they would bring it back uh, to the terminal and walk it to United Airlines because that's their ticket. And in my head, I'm going, no, they won't. No, they won't. <laughs> They're going to put it on a plane because that's the path of least resistance. Oh, sorry, we didn't see it. You know, so <laughs> right. I said, are you sure the bag isn't on there? And then this big guy comes over. This really big guy comes over and goes, sir, that is a United Airline baggage ticket. There is no way that's on an American airline plane. And I'm like, all right. As I'm as I'm thinking about what to say to this guy. Yeah. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my bag. It comes (laughs) down. The guy puts it on it. And I went over and I got the bag and I came back and I talked to the lady that I was talking to and I hugged her. I said, thank you for your patience. I have to make my next flight. I'm sorry if I yelled because I was just a little nervous about your bag. She goes, oh, you are so welcome. I'm so glad you got your bag. Then I turned to the big guy. I said, look, there's no way this bag should be here. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say anything if you won't. And I walked away. Okay, so Adam, in the corner yeah. of your eye, you saw them unload the bag. Yeah, it was it was it was the last bag, and they, they happened to put it right on the tarmac. And I went, I knew I was right. They weren't running this stupid thing to United. <laughs> I would say my guardian angel has my back. 
Now, nah, I didn't say my guardian angel on my back. I said, I knew the baggage guy was friggin' lazy and my bag was going to be here and I wasn't going to be a victim. Listen to this lady say, no, it's on to your next destination. Right. Now, let me clarify one thing in my head right now, Adam. Yes. Are you making yourself out to be the victim here? Because... Yes, I was going to be the if I listened to that to, to the lady who had all good intentions, I would have been the victim. Listen to her and my bag wouldn't have been in Michigan when I landed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that the woman is the victim here. Yeah. She's uh, like, Why is this guy coming up and yelling at me? Yeah, that's I'm on Mark's side. <laughs> with this one, Adam, I don't see you as a victim. <laughs> anyway, first of all, you got your bag. So how yeah. the hell are you a victim if you got your bag? I would have been a victim if I listened to the lady. That's how she was setting me up to be a victim. That's, hey, that's just speculation. Hey, you it's don't speculation. If I would have listened to the lady and got on the plane, the bag would have still been sitting on a tarmac. Hey, Adam, you don't listen to yes. me. Why would you listen to the lady? <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Well, and Alex, it's great that you point that out, because I think part of your frustration, Adam, yeah, is in this situation. You couldn't use your normal move when you run into trouble. Kind of lean your head back and yell, honey. Yes. If you're doing that on the tarmac, I don't think Alex could hear you from that. Yes, my default set, my, my default setting wasn't there. Yes, baby. I went to cash. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, hey, maybe if I slip you some cash, you can find my bag. <laughs> That's true. Maybe Andrew Jackson can help you find my bag. <laughs> hey, I'd find your bag for Andrew Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I'd find your bag for Abe Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> Times are tight. The point is, Brooke mentioned how she doesn't like to be a victim. Um, neither do I. And apparently neither does the baggage lady. But screw tiny. <laughs> <laughs> tiny. Tiny was only doing his job, Adam. Yeah, he yeah. saw you harassing this woman. Say, hey, listen, you little guy. You're going to get away from this woman. You don't have the right color tag. This has never happened here. Mm. <laughs> Too funny. So I was very I was very happy to catch up with my friends. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. The definition of the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which a person tends to regard himself or herself as a victim of the negative actions of others and to think, speak, and act as if that were the case. Screw tiny. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes. You'll never get back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. 
That's A-N-G-I dot com. I would really like to see you. Yes, I would. And if you come see me, I'll make you laugh. October 28th through the 30th, I'll be at the Comics Roadhouse at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Uncasville, Connecticut. December 2nd through the 4th, I will be at Magooby's Joke House in Timonium, Maryland. And December 17th and 18th, I will be at Levity Live in West Nyack, New York. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. Either way, I hope you make it to the gig, and please come up after the show. You know I want to thank you. Yes, I do, for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on. Get at it. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a model, actress, author, beauty icon, and one tough lady. She's had two Golden Globe nominations. She's been on the cover of over 900 magazines, and Michael Jackson asked her to marry him many, many times. She's a friend I don't get to see as much as I'd like to, but when I do, she puts a big smile on my face, and I'm very grateful she's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Brooke Shields. How are you, pal? I'm good. Do you not notice my picture behind? I did. <laughs> I did. So I was, this is a piece of art in my office, and <laughs> I did all my parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> and then I got, I got called by the school. Really? FYI, we just went. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, anyway. Is this high school? Because your oldest is in college now, right? My oldest is in college, but my youngest is still in high school. She's a, she's a sophomore. So we still have parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where the time goes. Last time I saw you, we were at Madison Square Garden. You gave me a lovely introduction for a charity benefit. Yes. And then you snapped your femur. And I was like, ah, oh, I can't leave the kid alone for a minute. Why'd you do that to me, huh? <laughs> You see what you do? You see what happens? You leave me alone for a minute. I mean, it's so, so freakish, but it is what it is. And mm-hmm. everybody's always like, well, what do you think you needed to learn? I'm like, nothing. It was <laughs> a big lesson. It was just a freak, stupid, crazy thing that happened. And I did learn that I'm mm-hmm. very resilient. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you know? learn not to go on that balance thing again? Yeah, I, I got rid of it. Like okay, so for those of you who don't know, it's 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 a it's a it's called a balance board. It's a round ball, and there's a like a little surfboard on top of it, and you, it's supposed to keep you balanced. Yes. Yeah, it's on like a cylinder. It's almost like one of those cylinders that you you roll your muscles out with. But it um, it's actually really good for like your you know kinetic energy and your mm-hmm. abs. And it took me a couple of years to learn how to do it too. So I finally figured it out where I could do it on my own. And I was, um, I didn't even get cocky. I was just trying to tell this person who said they couldn't do it. I want to tell me could do it. And I was like, look, this is how you do it. <laughs> I turned back and I flew up in the air and I landed really perfectly. And I broke my femur. Ah, into. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest bone in the body. The force it takes to do that. Yeah. And God. they were like, oh, you know, do you think you have osteoporosis? And I was like, I, no, I don't think so. Like, and like they did all the tests and my bones are like granite. It was just, it was a little 
area of cement that was under the padding from the gym. And I just hit it perfectly. I think the thing that was scary was that it was, I was in the hospital for over a month because I got a staph infection and a blood clot and all the complications, you know, that you can't foresee. So, but I'm lucky to be alive. And I went back to the gym for the first time today. You did actual place. And I went and stood in the actual spot and, uh, and I didn't like broke out into a little bit of a cold sweat, but I was okay. So it was because your body holds that stuff. Yeah. 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 I did. You went back and you had that. I would go back with a flamethrower. I would go, <laughs> this is where it happened. And I'm destroying this whole thing. I know. I just, I was like, but do you know, they, they say like, you're supposed to do stuff like, I don't know. Your, your body cellularly holds trauma. Yeah. There's and, a book called and, the body keeps score. Um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, and, and I, cause I got, uh, I got, I got stuff like I banged up the shoulder. I, I was on thin from top gear from getting smacked around. There's a sure. lot of things and a lot of emotional stuff comes out of it. Apparently Brooke, I have angry hips. <laughs> are your hips angry? Yes. And my knees need to forgive. My, These are the things. Yeah, I, your knees need to forgive your hips. My ass is very disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> that is my takeaway. <laughs> I just well, like the word disgruntled and ass in disgruntled the same, ass, yeah. In the same sentence. <laughs> you do paint with vivid color shields, I will tell you. I that. Do, I do. <laughs> Thank God I'm not the school board. We'd have to have another meeting. Exactly. <laughs> but that incident, and you do this in in well, just knowing you a little bit and doing the research on you. Uh, you have this judo energy about you when shit happens to you, you take that energy coming out of you and you spin it around into something else. I mean, the books you've written, the, the incidences in your life become art and an information for other people. Thank you. I, thank you. I appreciate that. I think I am not comfortable being a victim. Mm. And I think that when, once you sort of, say that to yourself, then you have to kind of, we all have bad stuff that happens, you know, it just, it happens. It happens emotionally, physically, historically. It's, you know, and I think I just am never comfortable sort of saying, okay, that's, that's the new, that is going to define me now. So Mm -hmm. now I don't know how to walk. So I'm just going to stay broken. Like it just, cause you'd be really surprised what you're, capable of enduring and getting through yeah. I don't know past but through for sure you know I but I think it's also just starting so young and being in an industry that is just unforgiving and and you know I always say it's predicated on sort of devouring its young and you you kind of go like oh okay so what are my choices here Mm. You know, am I going to let disappointment or rejection, which I've had much more than I've had acceptance. It's just less, um, you know, focused on and promoted. But I also feel really, um, I feel lucky. Like I feel lucky every time I get up to that. I feel like, oh, I get another chance again. Like I'm still here, you know? And so it's a matter of taking something and saying, okay, what can I do with it? So how can I learn from it? Mm. I guess. And if that in fact helps anybody else, that's, that's a bonus. Um, 
you know, it's hard to know what to do, but I do know that I'm not comfortable being beaten right. completely. <laughs> Question for you. Do you realize or, or do you have any uh, suspicion of when that aspect, when you discovered uh, that in yourself? Because, I mean, you, you've been through you, you, just the, the, the formative years. You were famous when you were 12, you know? So know. There's, there's a lot of information coming at you. I don't know if it's having uh, growing up with an alcoholic parent mm-hmm. where I was hyper aware, just always very hypersensitive, hyper aware, keep my mom alive, kind of know, you know, see everything all at once before it, it gets to you. Um, I think being raised in New York City has a, you sort of get a, you, you, you get a, a sense of, of your surroundings and, and people reading. And so I think it's a, I think ever since I was really little, I also learned how to adapt to different um, environments, right? Okay. So in grade school, I was the clown, you know, I was the class clown. I was the one that was funny and would be, would do things to look stupid so that I would um, just, I don't know. It was almost like, you know, I was going to be that person so that nobody could lie and wait for me around the corner. And yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah it's a defense mechanism. I'm going to get there first before you do. Yeah. Yeah. You can't fire me. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Take that. Yeah. So, I mean, also, I just I've had good people around me mm-hmm. um, and the bad people don't outweigh the good people. You know, I keep the good people. I keep, you know, I, I, I keep gathering as much as I can. It's a small group. But and I also had a dad whose whole family was so compartmentalized. Like I was I lived with my dad on mm-hmm. the weekends and and then I was with my mom in my life. But the two of them did not like my sisters were just um, interviewed for a, a documentary and it was so funny to hear after the fact, hear them talk about how little they knew of my life, mm-hmm. which is really interesting to be, to live in that in two very separate universes. My yeah. dad never saw any of my movies. He never, my sisters never saw my movies. Like it's amazing how you can just go through with blinders on to a certain extent. And it was, it served me in one, in some way. Being able it's to hard to know who you really are. Yeah. You have such disparate sort of existences, but you you can kind of and I, I'm going to school too, like going and getting an education and have it be just mine was um, just it was so it was such a gift. It was like so. Yeah, it was, well, it was it was if I just from reading your books, it was kind of like a separation because it was something for you because you know your mom was your manager. She, she was everything. She, she was everything. And you mm-hmm. wanted just to be a, you were a kid. You just wanted to please people. And you have that instinct. Comics have that instinct too. And you have that, that comedic instinct as well to, to reading the room. It's a survival mechanism. And it's a, uh, it, it's also an artistic, uh, artistic tool. I was talking this, this morning to the same therapist that I've had for over 35 years. And, um, <laughs> Clearly, she hasn't healed me yet. Um, and uh, and and she, you know, we were talking about, you know, there's this 
project being done about me. And there's, you know, and I just, we just visited our daughter in college and then I come back and I do like this thing for Vogue and then this, you know, and then I put on this hat and we're talking and, and there's so many different, you know, sensibilities that it's, it can be unsettling if you don't know who you are. And mm. she said, yeah, but she said, I get that. And everybody feels it in their own way. But the one thing that you kept and maintained, she said, was humor. And yeah. she said that humor is so, to me, it's so healing. And it's such a, it's, it's a protection in a really beautiful way, you know, if, if you're not like walking walk, walk you know, walk right. into a room all the time, you know, <laughs> how long yeah. are we, you know, I'll be here all week. But, <laughs> but there is a level of that. If, if you haven't like this through line, this narrative of this is ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of, I don't know, it feels safe. It feels, feels healthy. Yeah. I always, I always likened it to uh, defanging the monster. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, he can try gumming you to death, but he's <laughs> probably not going to get too far. Yeah. <laughs> you don't scare me. Yep. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's why Mel Brooks always wrote about Nazis because it scared his, his family. He always, he always made them look ridiculous. Um, so, but you, if you do that or like why, why Jojo Rabbit was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. If you, if you take that, it, it just takes all the power away. Yeah. You know, and you're, I mean, I always, it's so funny. I mean, this is just probably the worst parenting advice you could ever give a child. But I always said to my girls, I'm like, if anybody flashes you, just point and laugh. I go, just laugh hysterically like you are batshit crazy and just point. <laughs> And they're like, mom, that's so weird. I'm like, I'm telling you, it'll buy you some time. <laughs> I think oh, you can fun. probably get out of the theater and get out of the room. You're probably <laughs> they're like, mom, you're weird. That's the worst advice ever. I'm like, try it sometime. <laughs> right. Well, that's what that I, I just because I just I just remembered it, uh, for lack of a better word. I flashed on that story about when your mom got a call from the bartender. Oh that, yeah. That her boyfriend was in the bar with another woman. <laughs> and she shut up. She said, I put on high heels and the fur coat he gave me. I was like, oh, what else? She goes, Yep, you heard me. High heels and the fur coat. And the best part about it was when she walked through the restaurant, she looked at the girl, faced her, but only talked to the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And said, do you like my new fur coat? Opened it up, closed it up, pivoted and walked out. I mean, she probably did cry on the street, you know, when she got out because right. she was probably really hurt. But that's that, you know, that's that sort of badass that she, you know, she was. But it's funny and tragic at the same time, which most really funny things are. Yeah. There's that moment where like, holy shit. And then there's that holy shit. <laughs> That's when you know you've hit a moment, right? But, but I wonder now, like, this is a, I know you're interviewing me, but I was going to ask this. Mm-hmm. It's got to be hard now because of the cancel culture. Yeah. Having that, because as a stand-up or as a, as a, you know, just a comedic entity, because so much of the stuff that I did or think is funny or even think of 
is completely inappropriate. Yeah. And I can't imagine trying to navigate that and still be brutally funny, which I think the best comedy is brutal. Well, I actually, there's a bit I wrote about it just to address that. It was actually a friend of mine um, came out to me uh, as as, um, non-binary. And I said, I love you no matter what. And she hugged me and said, thank you. And I hugged her and I whispered back, I don't know what non-binary is. And we had a whole discussion, but the line that I put in there just to communicate to the audience, and I do it early in my act so I can set a stage is the nice thing about that moment for me was we had a conversation and my friend didn't take my ignorance as an attack on her position. But that's beautiful. That's a huge piece of our culture that I think is missing. Yeah. Because you you can admit to ignorance, you're on the wrong side. You're not now you're not even supposed to be ignorant. You're supposed to know the difference. And a lot of it you don't necessarily innately know or haven't been taught. And it's another and it's look, and you can't mandate empathy. You know, you just people that don't have empathy don't know they have it. And I usually see them at Christmas. They're nice people. <laughs> I was going to say, they're my, those are my relatives. Right? Yeah. But you can at least um, put out the intention of respect. And then that's, that's all I can do. You know, I, I, nothing, none, of, none of this stuff has been written with malice of forethought or to try to hurt. Um, oh, and also, I think that there's something hugely kind of vulnerable about saying, I don't understand Please help me understand. Well, I'm a married man, so I've been wrong so many times. <laughs> it's when you say I do, it's you say I do. I do admit I'm wrong. That's yeah. that, the subtext is of the I do part. <laughs> yeah, that was the last that was the last decision I made. Then everything went black. I woke up and I had a mortgage. <laughs> oh, man. But, but you is- got you. Did you when you when your mom. You're, you, you, it was well documented in the book uh, about uh, your mom was like a taskmaster and she really drove you. And you were getting back to that identity and how humor got you through it. You I remember just just seeing you on the cover. You were on Time magazine and then you were on Teen magazine. So you were like a sex symbol and a kid at the same time. We were just I was just talking about this for this sort of other cultural piece that, that they're doing. And. What's so interesting about it is it's so based on projection, right? Mm -hmm. Because how do you know who you are or what you are, right? As a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then you're in a realm or an arena where they're telling you who you are, right? So on the one hand, you're, you're being told you're the face of of a decade. Okay. I don't know who who decides that, but that, that was the one thing. Mm -hmm. Then Oh, you do this type of movie, so that means you're this. But cut to you're also you're a sex symbol, but you're also the most celebrated virgin. Like, yeah. what do you what do you do with like? Which is why by the time I got to Broadway, or basically, really, suddenly, Susan, that was the first time I was ever fully, fully, fully in my the most comfortable world that I had ever been in. And it was through, not granted, I'm sure. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, I was on my own show and we mm-hmm. were on, you know, for four years, whatever. But it was the first time I, it was all generated from something that I really 
loved, enjoyed, saw clearly, understood the choreography, the, mm-hmm. the, all of it, you know, whereas all the rest had always just been, okay, this is what she is now. Okay. We're going to call her that. Oh, okay. She's that. And you just sort of go through going, well, let's see what they say next, you yeah. know, or going to college really was the first time I stepped away from everything and learned how I thought about things, learned how I, what I thought and what I found were my hypotheses, et cetera, you know, but it took me going away from it and going into a completely different environment. It happened to have been an academic one, which to me worked well, because I like, I like the parameters and I like having to learn the rules and, and study. And, you know, so that, that's a place of comfort for me. Yeah, we had, I, I remember a conversation we had once, I believe at Toy on Sunset. Um, mm. And <laughs> the structure brings, uh, structure for me soothes my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And humor is a familiar feeling to me. So I, I know that we share that. And it was funny when you said suddenly Susan was the time where you felt most, I'll use the word present, but fulfilled or most, mm-hmm. the most brook of brook, if we could. Right. <laughs> and that moment came out of your appearance on Friends after the Super Bowl. And I was going to ask you to tell the story when they yelled out to put the moment in rehearsal that you found <laughs> that they took out. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that opened the door. I just want the audience to know that. So I had been called to be in the Super Bowl episode, the Friends Super Bowl episode. And I think it was like Julia Roberts was doing it. And they, they had a, an unbelievable cast mm-hmm. of, of guest stars. And I had no idea what character I was going to play. Um, my one question was, can I, I said, I just don't want to play myself. Mm-hmm. So I'll do anything, but I just don't want to play Brooke. And they said, oh yeah, no, we're, you're not playing Brooke. So I was like, okay, great. So we did it. And in one scene, my character is a stalker of Joey's. And I, in my delusional mind, believe he's really a doctor even though he displays one on a soap opera on TV. And so in the script, the sort of just sort of direction, it says um, she says something and then she laughs. And it said, think maniacal laugh. And so I, that was very clear to me. Mm-hmm. And in rehearsal, <clears throat> I did this kind of crazy maniacal laugh. And then I come And I look at him and I say, no, seriously. And the producers came up to me and the showrunners came up to me. It was Marta um, Kaufman. And she said, look, you know what? We don't want you to do that. We, you've got to take that out. And I said, no, but it's really funny. I said, she said, no, the stakes are too high. It makes you too crazy. And why would he even think of going out with someone that crazy? And I said, well, she's really kind of pretty. Like she's, dolled up and she's like said and you know he could probably put up with a little crazy because he's attracted to her you know and she's like still we don't want to do that to you and we think it's too much so I was like all right you know better I mean you're friends and comes taping night we do the first pass without it and I was just dying inside because I thought oh it'd be so funny but you can't go against them you know you're you're just a day player you don't you're not that person you're not going to come in and tell the friends how it works um having never been in a sitcom in your life so I didn't do anything and so I just did it it was like it was kind of funny and then literally from the other end of the stage Marta screams shields put it back in 
And it was like I was a Macy's Day Parade balloon. Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I, um, I just, you know, then you don't want to think about it too much because you don't want to overdo it because now it's precious. So I was like, okay, Brooke, just clear your mind, clear your mind, just do exactly. And I threw my head back and did this like crazy, crazy laugh. And then I just went no seriously like that. And you could have heard a pin drop. And I thought, oh, I tanked. Oh my God, they don't get it. It's so not funny. Everybody's quiet. And it was like a, maybe it felt like 30 minutes. It was probably two, three seconds of silence. And then oh, everybody just went insane. And like, we couldn't even finish the scene before waiting for the laughter to dial down. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I do have instincts. I do have instincts that are comedic and that are in my profession. Like I can do this. I didn't know what was going to happen after, but you know, you, you spend a lot of time being told what not to do or how to do something. And when something is so clear in your mind, especially comedically, you just, it, it just was such, it, if that had been it and that was over, it would have been worth everything. It yeah. just so happened that the next day I got called and they said, we'd like to bring you in to talk about having your own show. And I was like, this yeah. is my Schwab's moment. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it was your instincts. You knew it and you were given an opportunity to do it. And it was a reinvention moment for you, because I remember Brooke Shields is funny. <laughs> oh, that's so, you know, it's so interesting about that is to me, that is like, the, I, I, I don't know why it's so important and emotional and amazing for me, because I grew up. I grew up with that. I mean, I grew up with humor. My mom was so funny. My dad was hysterically funny, but in a very, very different way. But, you know, I did 27 Bob Hope shows. We toured all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I watched, you know, I watched the sort of vaudevillian, sort of vaudeville approach to things. I watched jokes that would get taken away from me because he claimed I was too young. Right. When, Truth be told, I believe they were getting a really big laugh. And yeah. that wasn't my, it wasn't my show. It was his show. I get it. Now you and can't upstage Bob at a war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Front, front line. He, <laughs> I mean, we would do things in the middle of the night, four in the morning, we'd land on an aircraft carrier and he'd go, hey, Shields, Shields. Okay. All right. We're going to open with this. We're going to do that. I'm like, Bob, it's three o'clock in the morning. We probably should go to bed. We have a show tomorrow. He's like, we're doing a quick time. Quick time, just quick, break the ice. They're all awake. They're all waiting for us. I'd be like, okay. And I was always his straight man, mm -hmm. you know? So I'd say, gee, Bob, blah, 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 blah. And he'd go, wow, blah, 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 blah. you know, <laughs> he'd go into, why I ought to, you know? And so <clears throat> it was just to see that type of, of humor and then be on stage in Greece, which yeah. was playing Rizzo, which was a very, uh, it was a funny character. It didn't, you know, it wasn't obvious funny, but you could, you know, you could play the audience a bit. Um, and just learning all of like the, the nuance and the choreography of it all mm -hmm. really, um, I learned a lot. <clears throat> yeah. And you got, and not only did you learn a lot and, and people discovered that for, first you were a child star, then you were, then you were a model, then you were sex symbol, then you were the face of the eighties. Now Brooke Shields is funny. And according to Patrice O'Neill, God rest his soul, Brooke oh. Shields is mean. 
feels is me. Because I would, he would say things and I would say, yeah, like blah, blah, blah. And he'd say, Brooke Shields, you're, that's me. I'm like, that's funny. He goes, who knew, who knew Brooke Shields was me? He goes, I want to, he said, who is it? He wanted to write a show called Brooke Shields is mean. Yeah. And, and it was funny because I was like, write it, please, Patrice, write it. Um, and we just, we had so much fun because he was like, I wasn't prepared for you to be funny. Yeah. I certainly wasn't prepared for you to be mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Patrice, I just, I remember talking to him and Patrice liked you and he didn't like a lot of people. No, he didn't. <laughs> well, and then I had to teach him how to do this dance. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it, I stopped. I was like, please tell me the irony is not lost on you. Yeah. <laughs> I am teaching you how to have yeah. rhythm and dance. Yeah. I was like, you, you don't even know that you like me yet. And I said, yes. I'm teaching you to dance. <laughs> and then who was it? Um, oh, God, I'm forgetting now. He has a yeah, posture like this. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, from the side, he had posture like this. I thought it was a character choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I go over to Patrice standing right there. I go, that's amazing. I said, well, did you just decide to do that, you know, for the, for the character? Like, you know, I'm just interested. You guys are all so funny and smart. And like, I love you guys. And, and he was like, I had scoliosis. <laughs> <laughs> And Patrice goes, telling you Brooke Shields is mean. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I first met him, he didn't, Patrice did not want to like me. He did not want to like me. And I even said that to him. I go, you don't want to like me, but I'm going to get under your skin. I'm going (laughs) to, you were going to like me by the end of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, that movie, I forgot the name of the movie. Um, It was, um, get ready. Furry Vengeance. That's it. Furry Vengeance. Not a porn. Nope. Not a porn. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, can I ask Um, you uh, to tell the coffee table story? Oh, the coffee table story. Yeah, this is sort of indicative of really who my mom was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she met my dad and she was nine years older than he was. And he was flying to go meet a girl. She was just broken up with a guy. They they meet at a bar. And anyway, sort of was a long weekend. He never Mm -hmm. made it to California. She ended up getting pregnant from evidently that one weekend. And time goes by. It it becomes known that that my mom's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather, my father's father, takes my mom out to lunch and says, Hey, I'm aware of the situation. And, you know, it's best for all of us if we just take care of the situation. And evidently as the story is told, and I think it's real, he slid her an envelope across the the table and evidently it had money in it to take care of the situation, me being the situation not to be conserved with the Jersey Shore. But um, so my mom was like, I totally understand. And my, my grandfather was like, it's bad for his reputation. He's of a certain social standing and he's meant to marry a certain way. And you're from Newark and, you know, it, it's not it's not the way we planned it. So she just said, of course, I totally understand. 
And she takes the envelope, never wanted to turn down money. And she went and bought a coffee table. (laughs) And the coffee table was part of my whole life because Mm -hmm. it had these sides that kind of came up. It was an oval, but there were hinges. And and so I learned how to like stand up and I learned how to walk on the coffee table. Anyway, we lost the coffee table. I don't know what happened. It was given to somebody. I write that book about my mom and about my history and the woman who owned the coffee table read the book and she said she had goosebumps. She said she knew right then and there that I needed the coffee table back. And so she tracked me down and she gave me the coffee table back 40, almost 50 years later. And I said, well, I want to buy it. And she said, no. And she asked me to make a donation to mm-hmm. a certain organization. And, um, but you know, that's my mom. Like she'd be like, I totally understand about <laughs> And he's a wasp and I understand it. I probably can't say that anymore. I'm probably canceled. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, like this was my dad. I have this painting. I have this picture. I don't know if you could see it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's handsome and ridiculously yeah, handsome. Look at that. And, I always wanted to make him laugh. So he got down to talk to me. And I remember getting down too, which defeated the purpose, but he it made him smile. So uh, yeah, that too. Making my dad laugh was how I belonged because he uh, always had that worried look on his face when he came home from work. And if I made him laugh, that look went away. Isn't that great? And it's the sense of power that you have. Yeah. You know, and and identity. um, Yeah. An individual, and you're an individual at that moment, and you're responsible purely for their happiness. Like yeah. it's interesting how empowering it is. It's empowering, but it's also to me, it's it's also connecting. So it's there's two things happening at once, and I'm not, yeah. and and it's coming through me. So I'm the idea of me is gone. Right. The purpose of me is present and functioning. If that makes any sense. And you're a conduit, and it's a unique relationship. Yeah. That they don't at that particular moment, they don't have with anybody else. Yeah. Any yeah. other sibling, a wife, a, a, anything, you know? Yeah. Oh, sorry. There we go. I'm not in. Nope. I'm not quite sure. I think it was, I don't know. <laughs> but I told them you weren't here. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> I know how busy you are. Uh, I also know what you've gone through. And I meant what I said. You're, you're one tough broad. You've been through a lot. Well, Thank you. I mean, it's how I was raised, you know, and it, it is funny, you know, you get to make a decision. I started my own platform, my own website mm-hmm. um, called Beginning Is Now. And it's been, I've been working on it for two, almost over two years. And it was the very message of it was what I was living through when I was in the hospital because it was mm-hmm. COVID. Nobody could visit me. It was, I was in the hospital for a month by myself. And, you know, you really, like, you're really alone. Like, there's just, it's amazing what, how your brain goes through all these different, you know, manifestations of how it's interpreting your situation. And I thought, okay, God, am I going to just die? Like, is that going to be, is this going to be the way I go out? And I thought, oh, my Lord, I better, I, if, if this is it, I want to do my absolute best and go down fighting. And I think that I've been doing that ever since I was 
I mean, I was, I, my mom always used to joke because I was two months premature mm-hmm. and there's just no way I should have survived. I mean, I was just like minuscule and then never been minuscule since then. <laughs> so, but I just, you know, it's either sink or swim. And I've just been, I just swim. I just keep, you know, yeah. I, just, I don't want anybody to get the best of me. <laughs> yeah. You, you keep fighting. It's a, Courage is a question that that that's asked of you. Mm-hmm. But I've it's revealing, you. you know. I think that people say, like, you know, oh, what is it? Adversity builds character. And I'm like, you know, I don't. Th- I think it actually reveals it because you mm-hmm. really, when it gets right down to it, you kind of say, oh my gosh, what am I made of? You know. Yeah. Well, look. If it was easy, anybody could do it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You're not anybody, kid. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you again in person. I like want to work together again. We'll figure it out. We've had fun. Yes, we have. (laughs) Best to you and the family. Stay safe. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you've discovered that certain parts of your body hold on to certain emotions. My ass is very disgruntled. This could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. My dog loves the biscuits and loves me for giving it to her. And you get 20% off anything they have at Cruise Into Wellness with the coupon code ADAM. Yes, 20% off. Just use the coupon code ADAM. Cruise Into Wellness. Go. Feel better. Hi, it's Brooke Shields, and that was 30 minutes I will never catch. I had so much fun catching up with my friend. Yeah, Adam, you know, this interview was really enlightening. I never really knew who Brooke Shields was. I, I've i known her all my life, you know, seeing mm-hmm. her, you know, being in the limelight at such an early age, which I can't even imagine to know how that feels. But to hear this interview, I was so inspired and delighted to know that she's such a down to earth, good person. Yeah. yeah. I like the fact that you called her a tough broad and she loved that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She took it as a compliment, which was the spirit it was intended. In. It was yeah. great. Yeah. 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 Adam, I have to agree. I read the biography of Lucille Ball, one of the top comedian women of her time. And mm-hmm. she said that's the best compliment that she could get, you know, being called abroad from her peers. Yeah. And and you know what? Just to echo, Brooke Shields is now one of my favorite people. That was so fun. As you said, Alex, that was like a side of her I had never seen. And she is tough. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. She's going through so much stuff that I had no idea about. And again, like I just said, known her my entire life. Like she's a cultural icon. And now you sort of see the person behind the scenes and who she really is. And it was great. And, and I got to tell you, I think a lot of that toughness comes from her mother. And I know her mother's a problematic person and her mother, you know, the drinking and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But she was at her base, a really, really tough broad. And to use your term. And um, and I think I think a lot of that, I think a lot of where Brooke gets that is from is from her mom. Don't you? Yeah, no doubt. I think so. When the bartender called, uh, you know, your boyfriend's here with another woman. Really? Let me get my heels in my fur and make a statement. <laughs> right. Because, OK, how many times have I mean, I'm not saying we've all been in that particular situation, but some situation where you want to do something cool that stands out 
and inevitably we don't. And then like a day later, like, oh, you know what I should have done? Yeah. I should have put the fur coat on and the heels and nothing <laughs> else on. And I should have just called them out in the bar and then walked out like, yeah. damn it. I missed an opportunity. Like yeah. she just on the spur of the moment was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And she nailed it. Like, I don't care if she was crying on the street afterwards. That is a perfect <laughs> moment. That's what everybody should do when they call somebody out for cheating. It's brilliant. Yeah. 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 I wish I would have done that to Tiny. <laughs> oh man <laughs> would have been a whole different story though buddy I, mm -hmm. th that visual is disturbing Adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah very <laughs> yeah, if you want to get on the no fly list you can pull that move for sure yeah. see now with my mom and I love my mom my mom is the best my mom is listening right now mm -hmm. I think probably Hi, uh, yeah. hey mama hey, Stern, mama Stern. <laughs> I think I think probably one of my I mean, she's such a caring individual and I know I get that from her, but my great passive aggressiveness, I get mm. that strictly from her like that's a, that that gene came straight from her. Yeah. So thanks, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mama, Mama Stern. Thanks, Mama Stern. <laughs> What yeah. about you guys? What? My mother's aggressive passive. <laughs> Mama Louise. Yeah. There's nothing subtle about my mother. My mother's big and obvious. Are you kidding me? Oh, I, I think what I got from my mother, I got I got that if I'm going to drive to Atlantic City, I better buy the four on the crap table. That's what I got from my mother. Don't be an idiot. Have Don't you learned nothing, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> I would say for me, man, uh, maybe some of you don't know this, but I'm a very affectionate guy. Very affectionate. I like to hug. Well, Phil says affectionate. M most people think creepy, but OK. <laughs> right. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. A little no, handsy. First, hey, hey, the first time I met Stern, I gave him a hug. Didn't I give you a hug the first time I met you? You did, but it was in a bathroom and I hadn't I didn't know you, who you were at that point. It was a little <laughs> off. off, off. <laughs> no, but I get that from my mother. I do because my father, I, you know, I never my father would not hug me. He wasn't a hugger. You go. It was like the awkward. You ever hug somebody and they don't want to hug. It's very awkward. That was my dad. He was like barely, you know, put his arms around you. But my mother, I mean, that's where I get that from. Let me turn it around on you or you hug someone who is a hugger and you're like, OK, when can I? You, you pull back and then they're they're still there. Oh yeah. crap! I still have to be That's there. That's me. Okay. That's me. I won't let go. <laughs> what about you, Alex? I Adam could relate to this. I have a good silent treatment, huh, Adam? Oh God! I yeah. could shut off like I could shut off the world. Yeah. Boom. That's it. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. When my wife when she gets upset and I get the silent treatment, uh, it's awful. The dog just looks at me like you're on your own. I'm like, I'm <laughs> Not even I'm not showing you any affection <laughs> because she's the one that feeds me. <laughs> Most of the times I look at it as a challenge and now I'm like, I must break you. <laughs> and eventually I'll get her to laugh. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and I, um, I loved when Brooke said that she's, uh, she said, the ability to laugh. She said, yeah. I, you know, the ability to laugh, which helps every, every situation out. Mm -hmm. And even when she, <laughs> she turned it as a defense mechanism. If someone is going to flash you girls to her daughters, just yeah. point and laugh like you're an insane person. I thought, what yeah. great advice. <laughs> yeah. And the daughters are like, mom, you're crazy. Well, try it. You just try it once. 
Right. That's it. You know, the next time Phil flashes me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try that out. Because, you know, Phil, he's a hugger. What he doesn't tell you, he's oh wearing God. nothing when he does it. Oh, my God. Oh. Funny. Well, and, and it's funny you say that, Alex, because and it seems weird to say because I've seen Brooke Shields in a million things. I didn't realize she was this funny. Now, I feel like Patrice. I'm like, I didn't know you were funny. I didn't know you were mean. Like, you know, <laughs> and and I love that in her career when she was talking about, you know, she'd done Blue Lagoon and she was kind of being typecast. And I hate that because it just puts limitations on people. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to do comedy. So she gets that opportunity on Friends. Mm -hmm. She has the line. She gives the laugh and she crushes it. And then the very next day, they gave her her own show. How yeah. awesome is that? Yeah. yeah. This never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, like you said, Mark, the fact that she could laugh at herself. And that's the best, in, in my opinion, comedic or comedy is when you can laugh at yourself and you, oh, you, know, yeah. you, you tell those stories with that in mind. That is just the best. And it, it makes you, like you say, Adam, get the audience to trust you. And we trust you because we feel like we're like you. And that's what uh, she that's what she made me feel listening to this interview is mm -hmm. that she's just like me. She has problems just like me. She's you know what I mean? It, and the ability to laugh at herself, not take herself seriously was beautiful. It's very <laughs> disarming when a beautiful woman has a sense of humor. Yeah. You know, that, that she's got that in common with my wife. My wife has a very good sense of humor. Yeah. She shits on me a little bit too much on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's all out of love. It's all out of love. Well, I tell you, you know who I blame for her not being discovered as a great comedic actress earlier? And oh. I think it's very clear. It's Bob Hope. He was stealing all the good lines from her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Shields. No, 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 no. That's not a good line for you. You're just a kid. I got to give it to me. You know, yeah. but but by the way, and I know I'm only appealing now to our over 90 demo here on the podcast. I was going to say, where did Mark see that? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she toured the world, did all those USO shows with Bob Hope. I completely forgot all of that. She has had just an amazing life. And I love what she sort of said at the end. You know, she's like, and I'm still here. Like, I'm still I'm still, you know, contributing and I'm still active and I'm, you know, I'm still an artist and I'm still doing all these things. I love that she has found mm -hmm. like a way to continually evolve as an artist throughout her career. And every um, new opportunity, she looks as a fresh new start to like, yeah. oh, what do I get to do now? I love yeah, that. She yeah, she gets another. She looks at it like I get another chance. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to do something. And she's she's not she's not doing stuff out of. Uh, how do I put this? I get the impression that she doesn't do things out of a sense of lack. You know, she's like she's not right. looking for something to take something else away. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, I get to do something new. So it's like it's coming from a desire of like pure joy and not a desire to 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 fix or get rid of something else. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that absolutely. does. Mm hmm. I, you know what? I remember her on that Friends episode. I actually like remember being blown away that, oh, my God, Brooke Shields is funny. And then she got the Suddenly Susan show and I, I she she did pratfalls and stuff like she did physical comedy. Yeah, she I, crushed I, it. She crushed it, man. I never it, it, it like blew me away that she could do that. I don't think she's going to do it anymore because of the FEMA. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. how about that? You know, I mean. Have you guys ever been on that little balancing? It's like a surfboard with a ball underneath it. It's like, nope, a boob. and I'm never going on it. <laughs> it's a boob. Yeah. I, I'll okay. go through life unbalanced. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. But to circle back to how tough she is, and this is a very mentally tough thing to do. Okay. What does she do when she finally gets healthy? And that was an arduous 
recovery process for her. It sounded like um, she goes right back to the scene of the crime. She goes back to the exact spot on the floor at the gym as if to say, she, I think she might have even said this out loud. You are not going to own me like I am banishing these ghosts right now. Yeah. That is an incredibly powerful moment. And, you know, I mean, do you think at the end of his life, Napoleon was like, if I could just get back to you know Waterloo, I could banish all the ghosts there. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just going back to like a horrible scene and just triumphing over it, I think is uh, is is fantastic. I went back to the altar a second time. Does that count? <laughs> no, no, that's a crime scene. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known when there was yellow tape. Oh, man. Yeah, when Phil went back, the same priest was there and he looked at him. He's like, Putz, you didn't get it the first two times. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? I really think if if you have an opportunity to go back to a spot where trauma happened, like she knew she knew, like, look, you're not going to own me. Like you need to pass through that. I went back to the Joker's Wild in Connecticut. I died at this comedy club when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I went back there to play it again. And I killed. And I looked at the building when I left. And I went, and let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> That's good. I never heard that story. That's oh. great. Well, Adam, I've never told you this story. But when I was a kid, I almost drowned in this pond. Mm-hmm. And it was that was very traumatic for me. And so as I grew older, I was afraid of the water. And... I got an opportunity to try out for the swim team. I made it. I got my first medal. And I said, screw you, pussy willows. <laughs> Wrap around my leg, try to drown me. So that's <laughs> great. That is awesome. That's great. First of all, I don't know where there's a pond in San Francisco, Ellie Mae. But... <laughs> no, as a kid, we used to go camping. So there was many oh, ponds around. We're... Yes. You know yeah. what I want to do? I want to go back to that pond and just give it the silent treatment. <laughs> do it, Adam. Do it for me. <laughs> Take that. Okay, well, I don't want to overcome my own trauma. I want to help a friend of mine overcome their moment of trauma. So I want to journey back to this tarmac in Chicago with my friend Adam. <laughs> and, let, and let Tiny know he doesn't rule us. Yeah. yeah. How about that, Tiny? How's that? <laughs> what are you going to do now? Who wants this in my hand? It's a bag. It's a bag with United Tag. This shouldn't be here. He's going to get banned. <laughs> I want to thank my friend Brooke Shields for being our guest. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, uh, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, thank you guys so much for spreading the word about the show. Tell somebody you love about the show. That's the best way to get the word out, and we appreciate it. And if you can leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. If I listened to that, I, to, to the lady, I would have been the victim. and My bag wouldn't have been in Michigan when I landed. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the woman is the victim here. Yeah. She's uh, like, Why is this guy coming up and yelling at me? Yeah, that's I'm on Mark's side. Yes. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.